Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from our nation's capital. How do we reopen this economy? The latest on how this pandemic is impacting farmers. What does this do for the United States relationship with China? Bloomberg Sound Off. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. We're responding to this crisis and manufacturers are stepping up like never before. We're looking at 70 candidates for different vaccines. How do we make sure a pandemic of this scale never happens again? This is Bloomberg Sound Off with Kevin. Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli. We've got a lot to get through. The S&P 500 wipes out 2020 loss with a historic rally. This is President Trump making fresh remarks about Minneapolis's decision to defund the city police. Will that happen in Washington, D.C.? Will it happen in a domino policy uh, around the country. We're going to talk about that with our Ryan Teague Beckwith. And we're also going to check in on Capitol Hill for the latest on the police policy debate, as well as another round of potential economic stimulus. China, jobs numbers, coronavirus, police reform. Adam Hodge is going to join us, Senior Vice President at Aerial Investments. What does all of this mean? All of this mean for the state of our country. We've got a lot to get through. Busy, busy weekend here. All right, lots to get through. Ryan Teague Beckwith, Bloomberg's White House reporter. Brian Te- Ryan Teague Beckwith joins us on the line. Ryan, first of all, how are you? How's the family? Uh, I'm good, and um, I think they could probably use a break from me. Uh, <laughs> I went back to Delco uh, on Saturday to meet my new niece, Erin, born six weeks ago. Love her so much uh, and see my godson and my other niece. And we went on a socially distanced walk. And I think they were sick of me after a few hours, right? I got to be honest. Mm -hmm. I did like a quick trip, you know, but three months, first time leaving D.C. And uh, there we are. But it was great to see the family and catch up with everyone. Okay, President Trump and his allies earlier today saying they are not going to defund the police. Lay it out for us. This is now a national conversation about whether or not there is going to be police defunding. Yeah, so what's interesting about this debate um, is that it is largely a local debate. I mean, we're talking about, like, your mayor, your police department. We're not talking about something that Congress really uh, gets involved in and that the president is going to be called on to make a lot of decisions. It is more um, the, just the general tenor here. And uh, I think what is going on is that uh, President Trump and Republicans are searching for a way to uh, kind of get a handle on the protest against police violence. Um, Trump is sort of vacillated between saying uh, that he's um, tough on crime and wants law and order, which I think is, is sort of his impulse, uh, and also wanting to reach out to black voters uh, who, if he could, if he could get just a small percentage of them could make it really hard for Joe Biden to win um, by, you know, touting his, uh, the First Step Act and and his um, support for uh, lowering 
uh, or decriminalizing some things and, and penalties and things like that. In the backdrop of all of this, Minneapolis uh, has really uh, thrown itself into uh, the front uh, in terms of this policy debate. Reading from the Associated Press, several advocacy groups presented their own recommendations Monday to reform law enforcement practices in Minneapolis. This a day after the majority of the city council voiced support for abolishing the police department entirely in the wake of George Floyd's death. Do you think that other cities are going to follow Minneapolis, Ryan? Um, you know, it's hard to say where this is going. Uh, I think that uh, something like defund the police is sort of like uh, any of the other three-word slogans that have been tossed around in recent years, um, build the wall, Muslim ban, whatever. These um, tend to mean lots of things to different people. And in this case, uh, defund the police could mean everything from let's just stop giving them, um, you know, extra excess military equipment to let's, you know, cut a million dollars from their budget to, uh, you know, let's actually uh, just disband this particular police department and start over from scratch. Um, I think that in Minneapolis, they've had such endemic problems there. And, and this was the epicenter of it, that they're taking it to to that extreme, I think some of the other people who are saying things like defund the police don't necessarily mean that exact uh, outcome. Um, they might mean just increase funding for all of the other programs that have gotten budget cuts in recent years. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that's happened is that as we cut social services um, in other ways, uh, we've called on police to do more. So, for example, if you uh, have a relative who is mentally ill and they are having an episode and you need some help, you will end up calling 911 because who else are you going to call? There's not like a very well-funded mental health services department that's going to send someone out to help you. Um, but the problem is that police are trained in the use of force and you can give them some training on something like mental health and probably we should do more of that because they encounter it so much. Um, but you know, they're going to come in and use force. And in some cases, that's turned into deadly force. So someone has found that they were having trouble with a, a mentally ill relative. They called police for help, and that relative ended up getting killed. And right. that's the kind of situation where people are saying, why don't we spend that money on mental health, for example? Ryan Teague Beckwith's on the line, Bloomberg White House reporter. Uh, is there any common ground for Republicans and Democrats in, I know this is a localized issue, and, and you make that point, but in Congress, could we see any legislation that the president gets behind, that Republicans and Democrats get behind, in, ser- in terms of a consensus piece of legislation uh, that might impact several of these uh, policies that we're talking about? I, yes, I would say, except that we're so close to an election that I, yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. And, you know, recall that uh, a bill to ban lynching um, is currently stalled in the Senate because of uh, a single senator held up the bill with an objection to it, Senator Rand Paul. So, I mean, you know, uh, lynching, you would think, would be something that all of Congress could agree is a bad thing and that no one in Congress would want to be seen defending it yet. Uh, They have not been able to get that one past the goal line. So I do think that there are some things that there would be consensus on, like maybe limiting certain things like chokeholds or something, or maybe giving cutting the budget for handing over excess military equipment. But I just don't think that you're going to see those soon. Ryan, in the minute uh, that we have left, I do want to ask you, uh, what are what have Democrats been doing? We all saw the picture of Speaker Pelosi and other Democrats taking a knee today. Uh, what's Biden been up to today with this? 
Uh, Biden's uh, main goal today was to reassure moderates that he is not uh, for defunding the police. Um, that was uh, something he was trying to make very clear. And I think it's one of those things where you'll see the tension on the Democratic side. Uh, Biden is, is uh, has certain moderate tendencies he's going to default to. Um, and I think he sees something like defund the police as a much more damaging slogan than it is a helpful concept. All right. That's Ryan Teague Beckwith, Bloomberg National political reporter. Did you see that Mitt Romney, everybody? Did you see that Mitt Romney Instagram post? I was on Instagram earlier today, and I see this Mitt Romney post where he, he was protesting with the Black Lives Matter protesters. He had a mask on on Instagram, Mitt Romney, Senator Mitt Romney, and he uh, hashtagged it Black Lives Matter, becoming the most prominent Republican uh, in office to to post something like that. And of course, former Secretary of State Colin Powell making some headlines as well, saying he's going to be voting for Joe Biden. Much more coming up next. We check in Capitol Hill. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and for Bloomberg Radio. It is so good. I never thought I'd be happy to be back in any type of office building. I'm grateful to be back in an office. Thanks for listening. More soon to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and for Bloomberg Radio. Did you see this on the Bloomberg Terminal? U.S. virus cases rise 1.2%, low asymptomatic risk. That's the part I want to focus on. According to the Bloomberg Wire on the terminal, transmission of the coronavirus by people who are not showing symptoms is, quote, very rare, end quote, the World Health Organization said, as infections surpassed 7 million globally. New York City began the first phase of its reopening, and the genetic testing company, 23andMe, said blood type may play a role in who is susceptible. You know, the last time I heard about 23andMe, it was my parents who were trying to figure out just how much Irish and Italian there was. Turns out they're basically 100% Irish on the uh, mom's side, 100% Italian on the dad's side. Enough of me and 23andMe. Uh, Brad Blakeman's on the line, Republican strategist, former deputy assistant to President George W. Bush. Brad, how are you? Hey, doing well, Kevin. Thanks. Uh, So I want to come back to... Colin Powell saying he's going to vote for Joe Biden. You're a Bush guy. I mean, shocking. No, not so shocking. He didn't vote for him the first time. Doubtful he would vote for him the second time. So I don't think this is breaking news. Um, you know, it's uh, it, it would be expected, I believe. All right. But even so, I mean, are you concerned at all about President Trump's footing as we inch closer to the conventions, virtual and real life? Uh, polls have his approval rating hovering at about 38 percent to, to mid 40 percent, depending on the poll. Yeah, I think that uh, the president has a lot of work to do between now and Election Day. Uh, I couldn't tell you what was going to happen 90 days ago. I don't think anybody on the planet could between um, the coronavirus and civil unrest with the uh, killing of uh, George Floyd uh, at the hands of police. Um, And who knows what's going to happen 90 days from now. Uh, The fact is this president has been feeding from a fire hose, uh, you know, the last uh, year between trade, pandemic, social unrest, 
um, it, it's it's been quite challenging. So uh, I think Biden is getting a, a pass. Um, I call him Punxsutawney Joe. You know, when he comes out of his borough, all he's going to see is Trump's shadow because uh, there's nothing there that Biden has done. Um, he, he thinks that he's doing quite fine just, you know, uh, being in his basement. But, yeah, Trump's Trump has a lot of work to do, and so does Biden. But I think uh, the polls today are not the polls that, that the president has to worry about. Uh, the polling that becomes where the rubber meets the, meets the road is, is Labor Day. Um, I agree with you, Brad Baker. Brad Blakeman, Republican strategist, former Bush uh, insider, uh, and of course uh, a prominent Republican insider here inside of the nation's capital. But the big poll, and and I think it really is, is it's the, really the first poll that we've gotten since all of this has happened. NBC News, Wall Street Journal. It was released yesterday, conducted between May 28th and June 2nd. And I, I was, you know, going over this numerous times yesterday. But eight in ten voters, eight in ten voters. Okay, this is Republicans and Democrats. 80% of voters believe that things are out of control in the United States. Okay, well, people think that for different reasons. But, I, I mean, you know, when you look at this, it also goes to show that 63% of voters said that they're, quote, very or somewhat worried that they or someone in their immediate families might catch the coronavirus. That's down 10 percentage points from April. And half of voters describe the state of the economy as poor. I don't know yet about the economy because of the, the jobs numbers that we got on, uh, on Friday, the jobs report, and this was conducted before then. But you look at the NBC News Wall Street Journal poll, Brad, I mean, and, and folks are really concerned, more so than they have ever been uh, in, the, in the past several years. No, no doubt. And I think traditionally, when there's an election cycle for president, when the voter goes in the voting booth, they're asking themselves, am I better off today than I was four years ago? Clearly, the answer is no. The question is, well, who gets the blame for that? I, and I think the question that people be asking in, in the fall is, uh, I'm not better off than I was, but who can get us through this crisis? And so far, Trump has done a pretty good job. The, the social unrest we're seeing is in Democratic cities that have been controlled by Democrats for generations. And now you have the Democratic mayors and city councils talking about defunding or getting rid of police departments. Uh, you know, it's, it's crazy. And I don't think the American people agree with that. Um, certainly the president uh, and the administration do not agree with that. So I think there's a lot of, of uh, anxiety by Americans. There's no question about it. I feel it. Uh, my friends feel it. Um, the, but the question is, who can take us through this crisis? Uh, is, or do we change a horse in midstream? Now, let me also say this. Let's say it's Joe Biden, who's the new president. You've got a lame duck uh, in, in Trump, and then you've got Joe Biden has 90 days to get an administration together. Uh, I mean, our country cannot afford um, non-governance. Uh, and I think that that's a real plus for the president is 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 the uncertainty of changing should uh, forces in midstream. Should Republican lawmakers work with Democrats to reform the police, uh, the police force in this country? I think policing is is a local concern. Uh, and I think that uh, uh, whatever national role we can play to be. Um, you know, uh, cooperative. Yeah, we should. But policing is on a local level. 
um, it's a community-based exercise. And uh, we don't have federalized police in America, and there's a reason for that, nor should we. So, yeah, we should be helpful and constructive, but I don't believe that one-size-fits-all uh, is the approach to take when you're talking about policing, because every community is different, and every community has different needs. Fascinating. A fascinating conversation. And just to close out that NBC News Wall Street Journal poll, nationally, Joe Biden is ahead of Trump by seven points, uh, 49% to 42%. That's unchanged from April. So it was unchanged. It was unchanged. All right. Our thanks to our good friend of the program, Brad Blakeman. Great to hear from you, Brad. Republican strategist and uh, also a former deputy assistant to President George W. Bush. Coming up, we check in with Congressman Andy Barr, Republican from Kentucky's 6th District. Remember, you can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find me on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Andy Barr's next. You're listening to Bloomberg. 99 Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Let's head on down to Kentucky. And check in with Congressman Andy Barr, Republican from Kentucky. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Radio. Congressman, thanks for being here. Before we talk news today, I do want to ask you about something. You are the House Financial Services Subcommittee on Oversight and Investigation. You're the ranking member of that subcommittee. I know you do a lot of bipartisan work uh, protecting veterans from financial scams. And this is such a tough time for so many different Americans uh, and for veterans as well, as we're all navigating through this, what can you tell us about uh, how veterans are being protected right now with all of the economic calamity going on? Well, Kevin, thanks for having me on. And you're right, uh, we are following um, very closely the work of the Veterans Affairs uh, Department to make sure that our veterans are not victims of scams. There, there has been an uptick in uh, various uh, financial scams with uh, uh, many uh, fake or false charities uh, advertising for contributions during this downturn. And so uh, we, in particular, are making sure that our veterans have accurate information about legitimate organizations that they can uh, contribute to and help, and those that are, are fakes and frauds. 
the, the other issue that I've been tracking very closely with veterans is making sure that during the shutdown of our economy and the shutdown of our uh, VA system from, from the standpoint of um, physical interaction is we don't want that to disrupt their ability to file and, uh, and process disability claims. And we did see that for a while, obviously, they had to uh, shut down in-person meetings. But we wanted uh, the access to the online portal to remain available. And so uh, we filed legislation uh, to uh, make sure that uh, the, uh, the forms, the, the, the application forms and the disability uh, benefits questionnaires would stay available online for veterans so that uh, their efforts to um, apply for disability uh, benefits would not be interrupted as a result of uh, the, the COVID uh, uh, pandemic. Andy Barr's on the line. He is a Republican uh, from the state of Kentucky, a congressman. Uh, and, and you also have worked, uh, you know, whenever whenever people think of Kentucky congressmen, they think of bourbon distilleries. And we've heard all of this these great news stories over the past couple of months. And we've interviewed lawmakers about this as well, of, of distilleries uh, tra- transitioning from, from – uh, from what they typically make, bourbon, into hand sanitizer. And you actually immediately jumped on this and, and wrote legislation that would allow allow for some of the red tape when they make such a significant supply chain change to be more uh, feasible in the short term so that they could really pitch in and help and not have to be tied up by red tape. Can you tell us about that and give us an update on that? Sure. I'm so proud of our signature bourbon distilling industry. I represent the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. And when tourism is down, and in fact, the trail had to be closed off because of uh, public safety, uh, because of the need for social distancing, and uh, you can't have large crowds and, and of course, the risk of contamination of the product. So uh, they shut down the tours, but they uh, quickly uh, retooled their facilities and distilleries to uh, uh, make more uh, alcohol available for a production of hand sanitizer, which was in a serious short supply, still is, especially for the hospitals and the healthcare providers. Uh, and so what we did in the CARES Act, which was the, the, the largest yeah. of the four rescue bills, uh, we uh, exempted uh, alcohol uh, used for hand sanitizer from the federal excise tax. And that created a greater incentive for our distilleries to pitch in and contribute. And they, in many cases, weren't even trying to sell it. They were just trying to give it away and contribute uh, to fight this public health emergency. One problem still remains, though, and that is uh, the FDA, for whatever reason, uh, will not relent during this uh, public health crisis to allow um, uh undenatured alcohol to be used, uh, meaning uh, alcohol that's fit for human consumption. They will not allow that to be used in the hand sanitizer, even though uh, in order to make hand sanitizer, you have to put soap in it, which basically makes it inedible uh, uh, and undrinkable. Nevertheless, they are still requiring, the FDA is still requiring uh, what I think is a little excessive bureaucracy and, and red tape, and that is they have to are still required to denature it, meaning they have to put in certain yeah. oils. And so we introduced a bill, uh, Senator Rand Paul in the Senate, and I introduced this in the House to allow for the for the pendency of the pandemic and the and the public health crisis to allow them to use undenatured alcohol 
Uh, we don't think the risk of people consuming that alcohol uh, will be very strong when it's uh, when soap is added and it's used Ugh. for purposes of hand sanitizer. Ugh. Sounds nasty, Congressman. Congressman Andy Barr is on the line, Republican from Kentucky. You mentioned the CARES Act. Uh, we've been trying to get our hands around, or our arms around this one. Do you think there's going to be another economic stimulus uh, ahead of the August recess? And you if know, so, there, what's there, in it? But, uh, there could be, but I will tell you, despite the um, hand-wringing from some cities and states about a uh, need for a bailout of state and local governments, you know, we've included over $750 billion in relief to states and local governments, and much of it has not even been deployed yet. Uh, Many of the health care dollars have not yet been deployed. Remember, we have appropriated and and borrowed almost $3 trillion, and much of that money has yet to be used. Even the very popular uh, PPP program, the Paycheck Protection Program, uh, we're only at uh, a little north of $500 billion of of that uh, allocated uh, with 660 authorized for that program. And by the way, not a dime of that has been taxpayer money so far because none of the banks and the private lenders have been reimbursed yet. They will be because much of this will be forgivable, uh, forgiven loans. Uh, But it's amazing to think the contribution of the private sector and the capital providers, all of this money has come from the, the private community banks, the regional banks, the larger banks, the credit unions, even the non-bank lenders, uh, they have really stepped into the breach and provided a lot of this liquidity. So at this point, uh, I don't think we have an urgent need for another measure, but there could be one. Uh, there is an appetite, bipartisan appetite, for some COVID-related additional relief to state and local governments, but that has to be coupled and, and combined with a liability protection that will really facilitate reopening the economy. And we have to reopen the economy to rebuild the tax base. We can't keep borrowing. We need taxpayers, and that means we need people back to work. Congressman Andy Barr is on the line. He's a Republican from Kentucky. You mentioned the bipartisanship in certain uh, of these areas, and listeners of this program in particular know that that's what I try to figure out. You know, where is there agreement that we can dive into the weeds on to actually somehow move the needle? So let me ask you about this. There's been everyone has seen that video of George Floyd. It's horrific, horrific. Is there any consensus that that you, a conservative lawmaker in in, in Kentucky, could you see yourself working with any Democrats? Is there any type of policy that could come out of Washington, or do you see this as a to prevent this type of thing from ever happening again, or is this a local issue? No, I don't think it's a local issue. I think it's a national issue. And yes, I think there is an opportunity for bipartisanship on this issue because uh, what happened to George Floyd was a horrific tragedy. Uh, this kind of mo- uh, police misconduct should never, never happen. There's bipartisan agreement about that. Uh, I think uh, many members of Congress and Americans recognize that uh, this kind of police misconduct is rare, that the vast majority of law enforcement officers uh, are good, civic-minded people who live up to the high standards that we impose upon them. Right. But, but one of these uh, horrific events is one too many. And uh, let's face it, there have been, there have been several of these. Uh, Breonna Taylor's uh, case is tragic right here in Louisville, Kentucky. And then, of course, the Floyd case is the one that uh, really has spurred a lot of these protests. And we're glad to see that most of these protests are peaceful. Um, but we want to also um, uh, recognize that 
Uh, violent protests and riots do, do not help the situation, and they dishonor the memory of George Floyd. So I do think there's an opportunity to unite and heal as a country, come together and root out uh, uh, racial discrimination in police and law enforcement agencies around this country, uh, which should never be tolerated. We yeah. we have to re- we have to recognize that there is injustice with this. Yeah. And so let's let's not yeah. engage in unserious proposals like defunding the police, but actually fund them to reform them. All right, we got to leave it there. Andy Barr, thank you, thank you very much. More next. This is ninety nine one Bloomberg. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and for Bloomberg Radio. Uh, What a beautiful day in the nation's capital. What a beautiful day in the nation's capital. Remember when it was freezing cold? We were all working from home and the wind and everything. Now we're in summertime. Adam Hodge, Senior Vice President at Aerial Investments. Adam it's summer, finally. It took it took a long time to get here, but we're happy it's finally here. All right, so we got to dive into to a host of different things. You know, we've been talking about news of the day. Adam served in the uh, Obama Treasury Department, so we're we're thrilled to have him uh, on here. So much of today and the 2020 race really being uh, upended by the tragic death of of George Floyd. Do you think that defunding police departments is is something that has bipartisanship because we just heard from congressman andy barr republican from kentucky and he said he's willing to work with democrats on certain policy proposals but defunding police is a non-starter and i think that's what you heard from the vice president uh the vice president biden as well as that's not a position that they're willing to, to take and um i think that's largely where the majority of the the country is but i think what you're seeing and this is a larger uh just response to this Awakening of of real um, momentum and, and support behind this idea that you know we, we talk about liberty and justice for all, but it hasn't always applied to all. And so, how can we create um, both uh, liberty and justice from an economic, from a civil, from a social perspective that uh, really gives um, African Americans, people of color, a chance to fully participate equally uh, in the country? And I think that's where some of the activism and momentum has been. And I think the the proposal you saw from Democrats in Congress today kind of got to that that larger goal of trying to make real lasting progress for for people of color, for African Americans in particular. Yeah, exactly. And and, and I think that I was struck by this because former Vice President Biden really saying in no clear term in very clear terms that defunding police is not something that is going to be a hallmark of a Biden administration. Why do you think he did that? I mean, I think because that's what he genuinely believed. I mean, like people can believe in 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 law enforcement and and, and want the but it needs to be a uh, a law enforcement effort that is truly respective of people's rights as protected under the Constitution and the rule of law. And I think for, for far too long, um, that has not necessarily been, been the case. And so um, what I think you'll see Democrats rally around is our constructive reforms that help deal with some of the systemic barriers and injustices that people of color and African Americans in particular have faced. 
All right. Uh, in terms of the next round of economic stimulus, uh, what are you looking for in terms of policy, in terms of specific policies that uh, could could help mid mid-sized companies, not just the big companies, but the mid-sized companies? I think one of the uh, you saw some steps with the, the way they tried to tweak the PPP program to expand access for for smaller businesses. I think the, the state and local funding is also going to be huge because that will then allow states to continue partnering with with small and uh, smaller and, and minority-owned businesses across the country. Um, I think the, the big question and sticking point is going to be around unemployment insurance, and you're you're seeing some uh, members of Congress on the Republican side. Uh, point out that they, we, we should get, get rid of an unemployment insurance. But uh, many leading economists that I've seen would, would indicate that's kind of like stopping um, the, the um, uh, medicine when you're, when you're still sick just because you're starting to feel a little better. The, we are in a deep recession. Uh, there's still you know, hundreds of thousands and millions of Americans who are without a job. And we, Congress needs to get creative in terms of uh, the solutions that they put together that not only deal with the, the, the current crisis, um, but also help put us on a stronger footing so that um, the economy is, is, more, is open uh, for more people to participate fully. You know, it, it really is interesting because even as the discussion in Washington, Adam Hodge, of, uh, over whether or not there's going to be another round of economic stimulus and what's going to be in the next round of economic stimulus, you've got the geopolitical implications. Brendan Murray on the Bloomberg Terminal reporting, quote, it's not quite a new Cold War yet, just the cold shoulder. Some 40 percent of Americans said they will not buy products from China, according to a survey of more than 1,000 adults conducted between May 12th and May 14th by uh, our friends over at the Washington-based FTI Consulting, which is a business advisory firm. I mean, you think about that, 40% of Americans saying they won't buy products from China. That is a remarkable statistic, and um, I would be So really maybe we all are united. I mean, maybe there is more right. agreement in America on the economy uh, than, than people, people give us credit for. I mean, I think... Um, what, what you um, think more than anything else, people want the economy to, to work for everyone. And that's where I think, um, oh, again, to go back to the current day, and I think the coronavirus helped um, bring also some of the, the systemic inequities in, in place um, where you saw the majority of um, frontline workers are, or people of color who then got sick and they've um, you know, been born the brunt of the, the virus itself. So I think... Whatever Congress, as they put the package together, it's important that they think about not only do we solve for the now, but how do we set up uh, the economy so that we don't end up back in this situation ever again. You know, you mentioned something very important, and, and, I, and I do want to go into this because it's been a common theme that we've explored, especially here on Bloomberg Sound On, uh, which is how minority groups have been so much more negatively impacted over the past several months on a host of different fronts. How do we prevent that? How do we alleviate that? And, and, and not just, you know, it's one thing, you know, a, a bailout and, and helicopter cash. I'm talking about structural changes, Adam. How do we structurally change this system so that minority groups, every time, whether it's coronavirus or an economic recession from other causes how, or a hurricane, a, a, a weather hurricane, how do we make sure that uh, minority groups and low socioeconomic 
uh, individuals are not the hardest hit? Uh, you know, Kevin, that's a really great, great question. I saw a stat recently that half of black America was unemployed. Well, I got to uh, see that. Really half brings... of African-Americans are unemployed. Wow. Wow. That's, right. Which is just, you know, un- unbelievable. It's unfathomable. It. It's hard to comprehend right. these numbers. It really is. It really is. And, and I don't so think we do a good enough it, job it, of, of really hammering that home. No, it's, it's, uh, but I think, um, one, it starts by asking the question, but, but two, I think there are some concrete steps that, that both, you know, corporate America and, and, and anybody who, who is in a position to, to, to leverage their own, um, uh, purchasing power is just to think about, are you committed to, um, to going beyond just supplier diversity, but talking about business diversity. And so if you're a corporation, who are the, the law firms and accounting firms and uh, that, that you're working with? And are there any people of color um, on the relationship? And if not, you know, what, what are you going to, or how are you going to commit to changing that? Are there, you know, is there diversity within the ranks of your, your institution? Um, and I think we've, we've all heard, oh, you know, the, the constant triple. It's too hard to find. I haven't been able to find people of color um, who, are, who are talented. I, that's just not true. That's like, you know, uh, baseball in the 1940s. Um, yeah. was a, but until when, when Jackie Robinson came into the league, then all of a sudden it opened up doors for, um, you know, a whole host of other of other players. And so um, how do you get to a point where uh, your, your companies are, are who all make diversity pledges, they all talk about um, that they're, they're committed to this issue, right. but really if hiring right. people um, and set senior roles within the company who can then create wealth and then give back in the community and so yeah. all you end, end up perpetuating a positive spiral. Adam, come back on very, very soon. We have to leave it there. We're up against our break. Adam Hodge, Senior Vice President at Aerial Investment, served in the Treasury Department for Obama. You know, it comes down to if you're concerned about reputational risk or making a real structural change. That does it for me. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Radio. Thanks for listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.